Hey there, I'm Russia Bowles. I'm Niella Graham. And this is the Can I Be Honest podcast, the podcast where we take our real life conversations online and serve nothing but honesty. So we have an exciting episode today because we are joined by our friend Brooke. Um, we're so happy to have her because she is our second guest on the podcast and she's one of our dear friends. Um, Brooke is a University of Michigan alum. She graduated in 2020 like us, so class of 2020, and she's from New York City as well. And Niella and Brooke actually met in high school. So this really segues into the first key point that we have on our podcast and the topic for today, which is the art of the hustle. So I guess we're going to really just be talking about careers, you know, what we did in high school to really help us prepare for what we wanted to do post-grad in college, and just any advice we have for people I guess, graduating and also just trying to figure out what they want to do. Um, so, Brooke, if you want to introduce yourself even more, you can, or we can hop right into the first point. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll definitely segue. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. Um, like you said, Russia, me and Yella met in high school. Um, we were in the same geometry class, did, you know, musical theater, fun mm-hmm. time. Um, and it's crazy just thinking, you know, now we're in 2020, obviously high school was in the early 2010. So it's just crazy to think like how long our friendship has lasted, but more importantly, like how many changes we've all gone through from, you know, high school to college. Like there's just been a lot of life happenings that have gone on. Um, most importantly connected to today, just, you know, different states of stress and different levels of work and trying to figure out like, who am I, who do I want to be? Um, so yeah, that's definitely why I feel like today is going to be an interesting conversation just because the three of us have always ended up talking about job stuff. Um, and I think everyone can relate to it just because it's kind of a WTF, like, what do I do? Like, how do I, like, how do I navigate this? Yeah, I definitely feel like people our age who have either they were getting ready to graduate college or they've graduated college mm-hmm. are talking about these things. Um, they're comparing experiences. Um, you know, Russia and I really got like the closest we've ever been through like the last kind of two years of high of not high school, geez, college. Um, because and you know we were very much involved in like what the other was like thinking about post-grad and what we were doing in our last semesters. We spent literally every day together and we usually talked about this stuff. And then obviously, you know, Brooke and I talk about this and the three of us talk about it. Um, So just kicking right off, our first question that we're going to pose to start this conversation is, did you know what you wanted to pursue when you left high school? This is a big question because I can say personally, not really, I'd also love to know if there's like a national statistic on this to know how many people actually know what they want to do because I feel like a lot of pressure is put on students at that time, like when they're like freshly 18, like what do you want to do in life? How are you going to get there? It's like, I'm not even legal to drink alcohol. Why are you asking me this question? (laughs) So, No, that's so hard. I feel like what is so difficult about graduating. I mean, before even 
before even getting to college, graduating college and like thinking about a career, like what I found really challenging myself just applying to college in the first place was that there are a lot of people who would look at schools specifically with a major in mind. So they would like look at special programs. And I feel like for me, like, you know, not really knowing what I wanted to do, kind of liking every single subject, thinking, you know, what is going to be the most successful of like whatever direction that I choose to go. Um, that's kind of why I ended up just going the really large like state school route because I was just like, just give me every option. Um, but I do think it's interesting. Like there are some people who fully know, like right off the bat, like this is my favorite thing. This is this, like this topic and these these like things click with me and like I know that I want to do blah 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 job but I think it's hard when you're kind of you know open to all different options because then you're kind of just like okay now where do I go like what do I like how do I even like start refining this um so yeah thank god for those entry intro level college level classes that basically weeded me out of like (laughs) half the things that you know I think those are really interesting because there some can be defeating in that, for example, like when I took intro chem, I was just like, wow, okay, guess I'm not going to be pre-med. But then again, like, it kind of sucks that like one experience can kind of determine like how you feel about like a whole field, if that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like pre-med is that track though, where like if you hate bio and you're having a horrible time in like 101 bio, you quickly realize this is not for me because if I can't get through this stuff, there's no way I can do like the junior year classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's discouraging in a sense that that's unfortunate because that shouldn't be a barrier to someone because, you know, there someone it can takes people a really long time to figure out like what is it that drives them what is it that they want to do and contribute to this world um i was not never dabbled in pre-med because i was horrible at math horrible at science i was never good at like i guess statistical things like no equations for me writing was my strong suit writing was something that I have a lot of conversations with people who went to Brooke and Mines High School. And like the one thing I think we all take away is that if there's one thing I learned, it's how to write an essay in a record amount of time and somehow still get a good grade on it, even if, you know, it took me two hours. Um, and writing was the thing that I was like good at. Um, and I, so when I applied to schools, I applied a lot of like to, Com studies programs, journalism. At Plattsburgh, where I ended up going, I actually went in as a audio radio um, major. And three weeks before our orientation, I changed my major to multimedia journalism, which is what I graduated with. And it was the best decision I ever made. One, because I don't think I would have fit in the audio radio department. I mean, um, why? Because you're recording a podcast. So, like, you are technically exactly. in the radio space. But <laughs> it's because I learned those skills in the multimedia journalism program. And that was the thing, is that audio radio was just technical. There was really no writing there. Multimedia was everything. And I'm really thankful that I made that decision. 
Um, and I was still kind of like having doubts, like, do I want to do this? And then I took some awesome classes freshman year and was like, you know what? I can do this. And even the crappy ones, like the grammar class, I was still like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I remember that one. Heard all about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's fun. That's that's really a good point just because I think the whole point of college is to figure out like, okay, what do I want to do? And mm-hmm. I just think it's so interesting how we come into it. Like high school is so rigorous and I know I can speaking on me and Niela's behalf, high school was like on another level of difficulty. Like, oh, yes. Like we were our entire grade and just like our school in general, the way that it operated was like all nighters doing homework for multiple hours on end people. I mean, we were writing like 30 page papers casually and other, other kids were taking like the regents or just like doing a test. Yes. Um, We were exempt from regents. So, I mean, I think my school now when just like, Oh, write a six page paper. I'm like, Oh, that's nothing versus, you know, someone else having a meltdown. So like, I think that's awesome. But I will also say like, I feel like I came into college with the same type of anxiety and th- those same expectations for myself that I was going to be pushed to an entirely different level that I don't, I, I guess that's why I like made myself do like the most difficult major. I was like, let's just go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy how when, when I realized that personally wasn't for me and also had a full on mental breakdown, like, why am I getting C's and D's? I've mm-hmm. never been a failing student. Like, yeah. you know, taking a good look at myself, it was, it was so liberating the semester after when I just became undecided and I took classes from all different majors and was honestly just having fun learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I know. I just think it's really interesting to see like that how that transition happened but I guess also like my advice there is like don't pigeonhole yourself into what you think like your college experience should be just kind of like see how it will turn out like kind of roll with the punches explore everything don't say no's um you know like if I didn't try pre-med I wouldn't have known that I hated it so (laughs) and I wouldn't be in the job I am now but then again you know I think it it, has, it does say something about the mentality that I think freshman students enter with, so. Yeah, for sure. I kind of want to go back to what you were talking about with high school, just because, like, I didn't, re- I knew you guys were exempt from regions, but I didn't realize the extent of work you had to do when you were in high school, and I guess for me, like, I really don't think, like, that high school really prepared me for college like it prepared me to an extent but I think like a lot of the assignments that I was getting in high school up until my like last year when I took an AP class was like mediocre work truthfully I was like I feel like we could do more but I'm not gonna ask for more but it's like I don't think that high school prepared me at all like I wasn't writing 10 page papers I think the most I wrote was probably like a three or a four like there was research that I know that you guys had to do in high school that like that just wasn't a thing like I mean we obviously couldn't use Wikipedia but we like it wasn't that extensive and I feel like when I got to college I really understood like look you have to take out books to do a lot of research and you have to like really like you know read journals maybe online like you really have to do thorough research to get a good grade 
And I don't think my high school really taught me that until I got into an AP class, which is super sad because I know that there's so many students that never took AP classes at all. And I was thankfully only able to take one. So I don't know. I just think like it that's really eye-opening to honestly hear from you guys because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people out there as well, like me, who you think your high school is good until you hear from other people and like how they were prepared and you weren't really, and you kind of had to like adjust when you got to college. So, yeah, I mean, we all went to school in the same city, but I think there's just, and we've talked about this on a previous episode. We did like a, uh, was it like the New York, growing up in New York City, or even the college one? We've talked about this yeah. of like the inequity across the New York City public education system is so, is it right there? Is mm-hmm. that example of mine and Brooke's experience, experience versus Russia? Mm-hmm. Like, our schools were, like, what? Less than 10 blocks from each other? Like, that's went to public high schools. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. That's, like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, Russia, you went into college. You knew. I oh, am yeah. doing PR. Yeah. So, I guess, like, how I figured it out was in high school, I was in a college program for all three years that was connected to my sleepaway camp program, or my sleepaway camp, not program, um, that I was a part of when I was growing up. So they had a college program that really, like, helped you, you know, write your essays. They, like, paid for your college applications, things like that. And they kind of helped me narrow down the difference between, like, advertising, marketing, and PR, which is why I knew going into college that, like, I wanted to study public relations. I also felt like I needed to like low-key like know exactly what I wanted to do um even though I'm hearing now from you guys obviously and we've talked about this before that like it's okay to bounce around but I don't know I just have a personality type that like I just need to know like I need to have a plan um and just like be able to see I guess like the growth in my career before it even happens but yeah I really knew what I wanted to do and this was mostly help from like google and finding the differences but also like speaking to people who you know were either in college already or who had graduated who were doing different things and then determining okay i like this about advertising but i can't see myself doing that for too long so maybe i'll like marketing or like maybe i'll like pr and honestly the real reason why i didn't go to marketing because it was down it was between marketing or pr was because i was not taking those math classes i'm not gonna lie I looked at the curriculum and it said like I had to take calculus and statistics and I ended up having to take statistics. Yella knows I failed that class twice, but everybody was- did though. That wasn't just you. I want you to know that because that, oh, okay. that class messed up everybody for some reason. Yeah, that was not a fun time. I still ended up having to take it, but that was one of the main reasons why I didn't choose marketing. But I also did love the PR program at Plattsburgh a lot more than the marketing classes if that makes sense. Like the marketing classes just seemed very general and vague to me. Just at Plattsburgh, I can only speak um, to the school I went to, but I think the PR classes were a lot more in depth, which I loved and not to throw any shade, but the professor seemed a little bit more, you know, what is the word I'm looking for? Passionate. Yeah. Wait, that's actually really interesting that you say that because, I mean, I guess to preface for anyone listening to this who will be listening to this episode, me and Russia are basically in the same field now, which is kind of like, what, Brooke, how did you get there? Um, But I find that crazy because I never, 
ever considered marketing as something that I wanted to do. Like even the idea of business, my dad works in finance. Like the, the word business is like, bleh, like I just wasn't, it was not something that like spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is also another interesting thing that we can talk about how kind of like actual experiences kind of influence what you think about a field being that like learning about something versus doing it, are, they're like two completely different things. Um, like for me, my freshman year, I went on a trip and literally my life was not figured out. I was ready to find a job at like Urban Outfitters or something and just like be busy. Um, it turned out though that a family friend had an internship opening and it was um, for a fragrance company in global marketing. This was my first internship ever. I, I was remember the, this. Yeah, I was the youngest person there literally like corporate style so this was like a shock to my system where like this has never been anything that i had experienced um like it was my real first like adulthood like awakening like okay this is how a job operates like this is brooke was working in the empire state building like it was legit It was, it, this was nothing that I planned for. Like literally freshman year, I was applying to jobs on Handshake. Mm-hmm. I was maybe going to work at like an art gallery, but it wasn't going to be paid. And then, I don't know. It was just so up in the air that I was just set on, okay, I'll go on my one to two like short trips at the beginning of the summer. And then I'm just going to stay home and do nothing. Cause I guess it's, it's just, it is what it is. So it's crazy for me, like for me, the way I discovered what I like to do was kind of like thrown at me like random and I kind of Mm -hmm. fell into it. Um, But I think it was also realizing that like what I thought about a subject on paper felt different in like the actual work that I was doing. Like I totally get what you're saying Rushto about like the numbers, but for me it was like, okay, like I associated marketing with that too, but that really wasn't what I was doing. So I feel like for me, like the experience kind of taught me to, not judge a major or like not judge like a field so harshly until like you really like get what it requires of you Mm -hmm. um yeah so I mean it's not like right from there I was like oh marketing like I think it definitely was like it stayed top of mind for me um but that's also why like I continue to explore things and like you know slowly cut things off my list like kind of incorporated in just kind of like fluidly experience um, my education, even though like, I'm the same as you, like, I like to have a a clear path, Mm -hmm. but I also kind of had to accept to be uncomfortable. Um, and just Mm -hmm. kind of be like, you know what, like, I, I don't even know what I don't know. So I just have to kind of like go with it Mm -hmm. because I don't want to like cut off an opportunity just because I think it's something that it might not be. No, that's so true. And I feel like that kind of goes into the fact that there's so much pressure on kids to like determine what they want to do when they leave high school and go into college and like pick a major but there's so many different aspects to different industries like even just marketing and PR like there's so many different types of marketing like and there's so many different aspects of PR that it's like you would never know this by just like a simple google search or like someone in college telling you about the classes that they took and like their curriculum like if they're in entry level classes they're not going to know like experiment experiential like marketing where you're like building different events and activations at like various like of like festivals or something like you're not going to know that exists and like that's something that you could possibly do because no one really talks about that when you're like 17 and 18 years old 
also just from like an outside perspective of somebody who's not in that um field Mm -hmm. i feel like marketing looks is probably funny is probably funner than it used to be because now you have this kind of like digital social media you can be a lot more creative there's more avenues of how to target people than there were before um and i know particularly like with the two of you you've got to do a little bit of that and it just looks really fun not that i'd want to do it but it looks fun like i don't think it's as like like brookie were like business ew yuck I had that same thing. Like the amount of people I met in college who were like, I'm majoring in accounting. And I'd be like, ooh. Um, I mean, though my dad's an accountant, so oops. Um, yeah. But like, you know, like it just sounded boring and monotonous. And people make jokes about business majors all the time. But like, I feel like there's more creative value there now than there was. And there's more avenues. Yeah, no, I would also say, so following my internship, that was my freshman year, um, knowing that I wanted, like knowing that I was considering marketing, the way that I basically weaved it into my degree is that I did like a, like a certi- like a marketing certificate. So I had to take these four classes, one of which um, was a sales fundamentals class. And the teacher is the professor's awesome. Like he worked at IBM. Like he is a very smart man and definitely like was awesome. Felt like he believed in my abilities, Mm -hmm. but I will say that that was the most gut-wrenching class that I've experienced just because sales felt so different for me. And I was like, this doesn't like, is this, I feel like this isn't what the real thing is like. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, then again, like that pushed me to have like a sales internship which was a little bit of marketing, but I think when you actually like get into the real thing and like do the work and are given a job nine to five and are like eating it, breathing it like 24 seven, you really learn like faster than I think in school, what you like and what you don't like, just because like you're, do- you ha- you're doing something and being occupied with it all day versus just like listening and hearing about it for, you know, an hour, two hours th- or three a week, you know, it's just so different. Um, yeah. So sorry, sales, but not for me. <laughs> um, so just a quick question, because Russia was getting at this. Did either of you ever feel like a pressure from like parents or even friends to go into a certain field? I wouldn't say it was necessarily like a specific field, but I feel like my mom subconsciously made it very clear to me that I was not going to go to college and do like a bullshit like major I guess I would and, love like, to know what she considers a bullshit major <sighs> this is not because true. because just a quick side uh, like sidebar there are majors that get really bad raps mm-hmm. mainly around the idea of how much money you can make with them which I think is an unfair thing to say to someone because I will always remember this. I was not there for this moment, but they did open houses and in college. And a lot of the time, um, Russia and myself actually ended up being there because we were heavily involved students in the program. We had to represent. I was not there one time, but I was told by a friend of mine that a parent came up to him who's studying journalism and asked him if he actually ever thought he was going to make a good amount of money in 
journalism. And I'm just like, first of all, the audacity to go up to a student and say that is kind of ridiculous. But also, why does that matter? Because if you're doing something that you love, mm-hmm. money really should not be a thing. Yes, it's something we all have to worry about. Debt and loans and all of that hangs over us. But really, money should not be a factor. And, you know, there's the humanities get a horrible, horrible rep for this. You're studying English? You're studying history? What are you going to do with a sociology degree? What are you going to do with a psych? Well, maybe not psychology, but like sociology and Mm -hmm. English and history, they get such bad reps. And Mm -hmm. I just don't think that's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's really a thing. My freshman year after my hell of an experience with pre-med, which was definitely like subconsciously pressured on me. Maybe it's because I'm like, Jewish and I'm like I don't know like I feel like for me like I feel like I have a lot to prove also being like female and like always working hard being the person that everyone knows like eats sleeps and breathes like working all the time like I never take a break which is unhealthy but like that was kind of like my personality in high school and y'all can attest to that um like I felt like I had something to prove so that's why I went pre-med but then like you know unfortunately thinking and like 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 basically leaning into all those expectations, I realized how unhappy that I was and how much I truly didn't enjoy doing something. And I feel like that kind of made me realize, you know, like would I rather be happy and maybe I don't get like a great salary right away or, or whatever, like I'm not in this, this like prestigious job, but then again, like, I'm doing something that I can get out of bed and do every morning, you know? So, and I think it's interesting now, like that time has passed because now what I personally have discovered also just from like lots of networking, talking to people and whatnot is like when you choose what you love, the money comes later versus, you know, for example, someone who goes like the analyst route and works at like one of the big banks, you know, yeah, they're making 80 to like $100,000 a year, but they have no social life. They're working around the clock. Mm -hmm. Like they're, it's just, you know, they're under like an extreme amount of stress. I've heard like a lot of these like horror stories with people. It's just, you know, they burn out. So I think, you know, if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to judge anyone. And like, for some people that is their thing. And like, they like that hustle and that grind. But also I feel like it begs the question, like, it does this actually make you happy? you know? Yeah, that's actually a really good segue um, because we have a quote here. We love quotes here at the Can I Be Honest podcast. Um, I'd rather be poor and happy than rich and miserable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard stories from individuals um, through word of mouth that there are individuals who dream of working at these like big accounting firms like I'm talking like Ernst and Young, KPMG, they get there and they hate it. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they wanted to work there because they were like, I get to tell people I work at KPMG. I work at one of the big four. Mm-hmm. I was involved in accounting stuff in college. Look at me now. They're miserable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, um, did you did you pigeonhole yourself and you were like, I'm only going to do this. Did you not like look outside the box and see what else is around here? What else can I add to, you know, my experiences and I can 
um, add to my resume to make myself, you know, look, you know, interesting. I'm not just doing one thing because I think people need to do things besides the stuff that their um, major or the career they want to be in is focused on. Yeah. I think that's really just to play devil's advocate. Like I think it's so hard because I think coming straight out of school, like you really just want to set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. And like, I know for me, like I was looking at all these like large companies in different arenas just because it's like, once you get your foot in the door, I feel like, and you know, like a big name is on your resume, you know, it opens other doors. And it Mm -hmm. unfortunately, like fortunately and unfortunately, depending on what side of the coin you're on, like that is the case, which, you know, like I, so I understand why it continues to happen. Like I, even why, like I've ended up working at certain places or sending in applications to X, Y, and Z. Like, I think it's the instinct that it's like, go big or go home. And like, if you get the opportunity, like you're going to take it, you know? Um, but I will say like, that doesn't mean that there aren't other opportunities, like smaller opportunities or in a startup's large corporate level of whatever you're doing that I think also could bring you just as much joy and happiness and maybe more prosperity. But, you know, I think it's hard. Like when you're a college student, you're just kind of like following like the big dreams and like the big ideas. So I think that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've kind of steered away from the big dream thing, I think a little bit because I've kind of also come to the realization and maybe this is just in like my field in particular that actually if you start smaller, it's kind of better for yourself because you add skills um, along the way Mm -hmm. and you also acclimate yourself to certain kinds of environments Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you know, can end up at a certain place. So for example, Um, I was very opposed to joining my school newspaper when I got to Plattsburgh. That was for a number of reasons. One actually included um, the year prior to us arriving on campus, there had been a racist incident with the paper that kind of, I had been significantly warned Mm -hmm. by individuals older than myself to kind of have my antenna up. Um, And also I was like, I don't want to do newspaper, like, Ew, newspaper is stuffy. I ended up having the best time of my life. Um, I made lifelong friendships. I got to go to Washington, D.C. last year. Um, I like it was the best thing I ever did. And I think because I was involved in that environment, Mm -hmm. that smaller, you know, um, college newspaper environment, which if you're in journalism, it's just a must have on your resume and that's something also I felt like who's gonna hire me after college if I've only like worked at a small college publication like what value does that hold well actually it turns out it's not looked upon down at all Mm -hmm. um they like that because it's your being like I got my foot in the door early yeah it's not this huge publication but Mm -hmm. look I have experience I've done this I know this you know Um, so I think in my field, kind of having maybe your eye on the ball, something smaller is kind of the way to go compared to, you know, maybe in marketing and PR bigger, you know, why not go big or go home? Mm -hmm. I like that you said that because I feel like it kind of goes into something that we talk about a lot and it's people like not being involved in college. 
and my pet peeve <laughs> it like I know it aggravates Niela and aggravates me and I think it it goes into the the discussion of like setting yourself up you know like you know you're in this major you want to do this find things in school that are gonna help develop the skills that you may not necessarily get to always focus on when you're in the classroom like I know when Niela was at the paper like she wrote something every week or like multiple things like I don't know Niela you can correct me if I'm wrong but I also did page design like I and then I was also involved in the magazine which I later became editor-in-chief of like I was involved not to brag you know I'm a brat because Bra- I'm a moon I can I can brag. um <laughs> By the end of my four years of Plattsburgh, I was a known name among the faculty. That was something I took a lot of pride in. One, because I was one of the only, like, black students in the department. Um, And they just knew me. They trusted me. They knew me. They knew my ability. And that felt good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that that kind of goes into, like, what this whole podcast is about, like, hustling Mm -hmm. in that I feel like extracurriculars are those side hustles in college where it's like okay like let's say you figure out your major whatever the situation is it's like regardless of all of that like I'm still gonna do other things that make me happy or maybe like fill another interest of mine so like I know a lot of people did um like chem like they they joined like a chemistry frat or like mm-hmm. like a, a law fraternity or i mean it, it's literally across the board insane some people did theater some people did i don't know i mean i'm blanking out some there's even like a freaking squirrel feeding club if like i not that like yeah i don't know i don't know i can't i, I don't can't trust that. that i hate squirrels I was just going to say, like, there literally is no shortage of things that you can do outside of a classroom. And it is hard, like, for my freshman and sophomore year, it wasn't really until my junior year that I finally, like, found the rhythm and balance of my schedule to be able to take on an extracurricular. But then again, like, they're always there. And, like, they're really cool things to do. So I I definitely think, like, that's some food for thought that, like, the extracurriculars in college are, like, the side hustles just because – you know, like so many people are always doing so many things outside of just the expectations. I don't know. I always just heard people like running their own business. Like it's just insane to hear like what goes on on a college campus just because you have all different walks of life and different types of people with different ambitions. Mm-hmm. I also find that you'll be a lot happier if you get involved because if you don't, you'll be sitting in your room staring at the wall and you will be sad and then you'll want to transfer schools. Mm-hmm. Um like that was like and we talked about this in our college episode you will be told a hundred million times get involved get involved get involved get involved they'll put on posters they'll send out emails it's like it's redundant but it's true Mm -hmm. um it's good for your happiness and it's good you know for your because freshman year you will look a lot different than senior year you um like i can't (laughs) stress enough how i like think about freshman year me versus senior year me um and you'll feel secure and like i'm doing i'm going in a direction of what i want to do mm-hmm. um because freshman year it's okay to be like i don't know what i'm doing like where do where do i want to end up senior year you'll feel that secure you know like this is this is what i want to do so yeah 
I love that. I was going to say, just to kind of transition into things, because I think this all is, I mean, it's all interconnected. Um, when I was, you know, thinking about real internships, you know, when it wasn't freshman year anymore and like, you know, everyone else was on like the internship bandwagon. Mm -hmm. um, I think a really big pressure was LinkedIn. So I'm curious, like what your experiences were, like, you know, putting in your extracurriculars on the website, like trying to like create your personal brand. Cause I know for me, like that was really daunting and like, you know, it, it's hard to see and compare yourself to other people, but that's kind of what LinkedIn is. It's like Facebook, but Facebook like for careers. I don't know. <laughs> Russia, you should go first because I, I would like to go last. Okay. <laughs> um, so LinkedIn, I don't know, like, I think, well, I had LinkedIn before I got to college because my last year of high school, we had this like career class and they were like, you better get your LinkedIn up. So I said, okay, I got it. I made the profile, but it wasn't until I got to college where I actually had like legit stuff to put on it that I like really started to, you know, add my classes, add extracurriculars, you know, profile picture experience, whatever. Um, but I think I think that I have an unhealthy obsession with LinkedIn. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be truthfully honest here <laughs> because I really made it like a goal to hit 500 plus connections by my senior year of, of I was going to say high school, of college. And I did it, but it was getting really bad. Like I was like, Russia, like you need to relax. Like it's not that serious. When you graduate, you don't have to have the 500 connections. But in my brain, I was like, people are going to see that and think, wow she's really well connected in the world and you know I feel like I took LinkedIn a little bit too seriously but I also used it a lot for networking opportunities that I don't think I would have been able to like speak with certain people or even get certain opportunities that I have if my LinkedIn profile wasn't in tip-top shape so I think like LinkedIn has its pros and cons and I am just stressing to people like please do not take the connections things that seriously like as much as I did because it really kind of drove me crazy more than I ever expressed before this podcast but just like make sure that your profile is you know you have your experience you have your school you have your extracurriculars but don't go on other people's profiles too much and compare yourself because I also did that as well and like it wasn't that smart but if you're trying to figure out how to, you know, maybe di differentiate yourself from other people or even figure out like, oh, like how did this person get this internship or, you know, where were they working or like how did they get where they are? I think that's a great reason to go on other people's profiles. And like, I also did this as well, just a side note, to determine how to like write my descriptions for experience because I was like, bruh, I don't know how to, how to word this, like truthfully. Um, and I know a lot of people do that as well, but I feel like if you're going to go on people's profiles just to compare yourself, it's unhealthy and like really don't do it. But if you're doing it for the right reasons, go ahead, do your thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is going to be a typical Niela rant. Prepare yourselves. So I don't like LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I don't. I've also had it since high school because I was involved in this program um, my senior year where I worked with the New York City Council and they were basically like, get LinkedIn. And I was like, okay. 
and my LinkedIn was crappy. Like I used my yearbook photo as my photo, which I later got told not to do um, because there are rules about what you should have on your LinkedIn, what you shouldn't. Like don't have a selfie as your photo. Um, Don't have your sorority composite photo as your photo. Um, Don't have your yearbook photo, like stuff like that. But I got like, here's a couple of things. I got different advice on different parts of my LinkedIn page, which just left me confused. Like one person told me, write your bio, like the first blurb in third person. And then another person told me, don't do that. Write in first person. And I'm like, okay, then what's the correct answer? Because I feel like both are fine. Um, mine is currently in first person because I just think that sounds a little bit better. I don't like talking about myself in the third person. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, LinkedIn, to, and this is something, Russia, that you were getting at. There's mm-hmm. too much pressure put on LinkedIn. And as some, again, going back to journalism and you know the industry I'm in, journalism just doesn't work on LinkedIn. I'm like convinced of it because I, even when I'm trying to like put the category that like, my my um industry is under they don't have a journalism one the closest one is writing slash editing which is really like the publishing industry like books Mm. i don't fall under that so then i feel like this platform i can't really use i'm nowhere near 500 connections again that's another thing where it's like that's a lot of pressure and Mm -hmm. is that really attainable for most people i don't know um, I have like 160 and I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, like I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard for me to find jobs. You know, that's been a big thing for me at the moment. And I have found better success in finding things that I am interested in through going to a publication's career page and looking up things they have in my city. Mm-hmm. That has, I found so much more because there are some companies that don't put things that don't come up on LinkedIn jobs. Um, also, I have LinkedIn premium now, which I keep like fighting myself to get rid of because I feel like I'm paying $32. Like I'm throwing it out the window. I'm sorry, LinkedIn. But I get this nice gold little badge next to my profile and it's supposed to make me look like spiffy. And it's like, okay, I can see like who's looking at my profile a little bit more, you know, deeply. But also... LinkedIn keeps telling me that I'm the top applicant for a job that I am not qualified to do. Mm. And that's, that's not good mm-hmm. because then I'm applying to something. I have no chance. And I understand that you should apply to things, even if you don't feel like there's a chance, but that's a whole different thing. I cannot be the editor in chief of some newspaper that's like has a circulation of a million. No, like I just can't. And so it's frustrating, I feel like. And also, you know, there are people who have LinkedIn's who live in areas where maybe LinkedIn is not heavily used. I really feel like LinkedIn's like a metropolitan thing because I have a friend who I made a LinkedIn page for and he never uses it because he doesn't live in an area that has a lot of people. Mm. So like, like if you live in New York City, if you live in Atlanta, if you live in Chicago, if you live in LA, it's going to work. Mm. You live in the middle of Montana, probably not. I just like 
and this is I have a thing against social media in general. I don't really feel like LinkedIn's a social media, but you know, people post statuses on there, and I understand that there's also this. And I want to know your opinions on this because I don't do this because mm-hmm. I don't know how to, and I also don't feel like again because my industry is not really well represented on that site, whether I should. But I've been told a couple of times, you know, interact with people's posts, post yourself. I've posted maybe twice. Um, and it's like, I don't, is this going to do anything for me? Is someone really going to judge my profile if I've only posted a status twice? Yeah, that's, I think that's a really interesting point. What I was going to say, I mean, obviously there's a lot said, so I'm just trying to like pick a point and, you know, (laughs) around my ideas, but I was going to say, um, this past year I had a really short internship helping a professor, um, with his, his like small agency and he himself is like a figure so that was a huge component like linkedin was a huge component of his um like social media presence because you know he had a full following on there versus you know on instagram or twitter so i do always find it interesting to see like what pops up on my feed who continuously pops up on my feed um you know what content gets traction and sometimes like even the simplest things will get traction, which I appreciate, you know, like question, do you think that we're going to like, is work going to be hybrid remote or, and working in the office? Like, I don't mind those, but also like there are full on people who like go on rants and like have, you know, pieces of advice to say. And I just think it's interesting. Like, I don't know what the LinkedIn algorithm is or like how these things kind of like end up surfacing to me. I know it kind of operates like Facebook, like blah, blah, likes this. Um, but I just kind of think it's interesting what kind of ends up being shown to us because sometimes, and I think a lot of people at my school can, to any school can speak to this. Like there were times when being on a LinkedIn feed kind of felt toxic and that every single post you're seeing was like, I'm so excited to announce that I'm like, I'm starting this internship or this intern, like at all these like really big name places. And I think what's hard is when you are in a different industry with someone and there's like a different, there's a different staffing timeline for things like that can be really pressuresome. You know, like for, I would see all the people that I know in finance updating their, their summer job statuses in September. But for me, you know, being in marketing and advertising, they don't even start recruiting until March, April, or May. So I just think it's really interesting how it's kind of this like, this like hurricane of people, yet at the same time, it seems like this very exclusive club because, you know, I don't really see doctors on LinkedIn or teachers on LinkedIn. I mean, sometimes they are, but, you know, a lot of times there are institutions, even when I was registering our high school to put in, you know, that I have a high school diploma, like it didn't have a LinkedIn landing page versus you know, a university or like a big name company. So I just think it's kind of this really weird place where it's, I don't know. I I really don't know what to think of LinkedIn. I just feel like there's a lot of stuff going on that Mm -hmm. is kind of confusing. And yeah, this is your time to jump in Russia. Just, I I don't even know. Wait, can I say one thing though, just Mm -hmm. to piggyback off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have that thing with putting in our high school, but somehow people still come up that I'm like, oh, I graduated with you. I mean, you know, request to connect. But I will say that thing about the feed, 
I can't look at the feed. I avoid the feed for that exact reason because I go on it and it's just like, oh my God, guys, I'm working at ABC. Oh my God, I got a job. I'm working at the UN. Oh my God, I got into law school. And I'm like, this is depressing. Mm-hmm. Also, this is a question maybe Russia you can answer because I think you've done this a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know when someone posts a status and they're like, I'm willing to help anyone who comments on this. Mm-hmm. And like people will full on comment and be like, I just graduated. Help me get a job. I studied this. How effective is that? Okay. I can I definitely replied to a few of those. Um personally for me it hasn't been effective because the post gets to a point where it's so popular that everyone is commenting and liking and then the person whoever posted it is probably only going to reply to like the first 50 or 100 people if that so i know that i had personally like replied to one of those like early on in the post I guess you could say where I was maybe like the fifth or seventh comment and I was able to email the woman but she never emailed me back so it goes into the sense of like okay are you just posting this for and I'm not I don't want to you know say that this is what this woman was doing but it makes me question like are you doing this because you really want to help people or like are you doing this for like LinkedIn clout like to appear as if you're you know like willing to help students and I feel like there are a lot of people and I mean this theory is not proven but this is a theory I think in my head that do post certain things for LinkedIn clout like they'll post like hey like I'll look at your resume or I'll you know give you like a personal audit I don't know like whatever it is and like this person will now have a thousand two thousand likes and comments on their posts and will not do anything they won't help anyone they just did it so that they can look like they're this career savior and just to kind of go back to what you were saying Brooke about people posting like I'm here to announce like I'm so excited to announce like those (laughs) like four or five words like actually scare me now they trigger your fight or flight literally and you know I'm not gonna (laughs) sit here and lie that I never posted a post like that because I definitely have I definitely was that person you know and I feel like we all have. I yeah. feel like it kind of feels like mandatory. You're like, I Look, hate Can't this. you just post that you've had a career change? Like your headline change? Like, isn't yeah, that, that says enough. Yeah. You can literally just, just like make a status and like make it public that you just changed your headline. Like you don't have to do this whole grandiose post. I've done it before and hated it in the process and was kind of like, yay. Okay. Like pat <laughs> on my own back. Like, I guess. Um, but Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like, I guess the way that LinkedIn is set up is that it's meant to celebrate people and reward them for their successes in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I also think in this, in that same coin, it adds a lot of pressure and stress to people who aren't in the same position. So then LinkedIn kind of becomes this kind of like Instagram, like this highlight reel Mm -hmm. where you're only seeing like the high points and the successes and like when people are getting the job or like getting promoted or this or that, but like you're not seeing that they're denied from 200 jobs over the past two months, Mm -hmm. you know, or like the fact that they emailed a bunch of people and they were, they were given no's, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I think that kind of is the part about LinkedIn that sucks. And I guess some people touch on that in some of their posts, but like, you know, at face value, you don't really see that. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because somebody that I was friends with at one point, 
they it seemingly very quickly after we graduated college got a job mm. and they posted on LinkedIn that they'd gotten a job but the way that they worded it was so bad they were basically just like look at me I got a job during a time when it's really hard to get a job look at me oh my god I'm so blessed like it was very show-offy and I understand that they probably seen all those posts where people announce that they have jobs mm-hmm. but it just didn't hit that mark at all and mm-hmm. among my friends we all were like what the hell was that like that was did not read well mm-hmm. at all um So there's definitely an ounce of people, I think, that just do it to be like, hey, look at me, I have a job and you don't. (laughs) No, for sure. And I think, like, that is the reason why, I don't know, personally, from just a lot of the connections that I have, I've seen a shift in a lot of people not posting that, you know, very iconic, quote unquote, I'm excited to announce. And people are just, like, making their job promotion or their new job a public status where you're not writing anything they're just like okay this is something new and people can like and comment and say congratulations but it feels a little bit more organic and real instead of you like throwing this in people's faces especially knowing the time that we're in right now where so many people have lost jobs and so many people are working their ass off to find a job that you're not like pushing this announcement in people's faces and I I don't know I personally did that when I got my job in October and it felt it felt better than just like writing this elaborate post and then like sitting at my phone like waiting for people to comment like it's it's bullshit you know what I'm saying it's just like you don't need to do that it also kind of feels a little narcissistic if I'm using that word correctly and yeah (laughs) I also think it's funny that I mean, I haven't always done this for every time I get a position. And I'm also just thinking about the, in the other formats that I see this happening, but even people will kind of do a post to summarize an internship that they've had, like so grateful for the past seven weeks or so grateful for the past few months. And like, you know, and, and I'm, I'm genuinely happy for these people. It's not that I'm not, but then, you know, then I think it goes back into this like comparison of, of like, did I do enough? Like was my job, like maybe my job wasn't like as valuable as I thought it was if this person like came out doing this, this and that. And like, I don't know, like, I, I think it's just really hard. Like, I think LinkedIn is kind of disguised itself as Instagram. That's like a big claim to make, but I really do feel like LinkedIn is this highlight reel that is like teetering on the edge of like surface level Instagram content. Correct. Yes, I agree. That and, even, and now they've also added, I mean, I don't even know why they would do this. I guess it's for like their own like user engagement, but now they've added those like story features. Like, okay. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah this has been a thing for a while. And every time here's a, this is like a detour, but just to say this, mm. I don't know what it is, but like all these social media applications and whether a social media application or not have decided that stories is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Snapchat did it first. Let's just say it. Then Instagram, then Facebook, which is like the, not to be mean, but the only people who do um, Facebook stories are like 45 um, year old women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My mom. 
and okay well you're i like your mom she's an exception um it's it's definitely like boomer or like gen x yeah Yeah. it's it's boomer and gen x and now twitter has it um but it's called fleets and uh linkedin has it and that's the thing i don't get why do you need is it because that's further just being like i'm at my job at my fancy desk i'm working on a project look at me like what could you possibly have to say on your linkedin story that's interesting i do think though something that link that i do see linkedin do that i do appreciate um and i guess this is kind of like youtube and facebook in a sense notifications when like an organization that i'm following has like a live stream happening and I do think that's kind of interesting like you know it's it's kind of like a like a zoom that you can just kind of like hop in on and listen to but going back to the stories like I feel like that's completely different content like that's different because that's individual um versus you know like a like a company is like an entity which I think has kind of more to offer but I don't know like I I don't really see myself using the LinkedIn stories anytime soon I don't know like, I barely even post on LinkedIn to begin with, aside from basically what, Russia, that you said you do, just, like, those casual, like, status updates, mm-hmm. like, those nonchalant ones, because it's just, like, the least amount of effort, but also feels like the least amount of showy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm interested to see kind of what that will look like or what it might transform into. Just as a last point about stories, you know who got stories, who just recently got stories? Spotify. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your calculator because there was a tweet, there was a meme that it's like, now your calculator even has stories. Like, <laughs> seen that. But yeah, Spotify. Spotify. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, switching gears, going kind of going into. Um, you were kind of going into this point, Brooke, before when you were talking about comparing, you know, a little bit. When we were playing this episode, you brought up the idea of like the personal audit. Mm-hmm. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. I mean, why don't you give some context just so I, so we know that our definitions of the personal audit <laughs> are the same. Okay. So the way I understood and I guess could consider that is like every once in a while, not like this shouldn't be like an every day, every week, I would say maybe every month mm-hmm. going through your resume, going through maybe your LinkedIn, but really I think resume because mm-hmm. not every job application, I mean, but I feel like more and more job applications ask for your LinkedIn link, but mm-hmm. the resume is what they really truly look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing okay what's on here what can I replace something with what is what has more like leverage now do I have any additional skills that I can add um, does this summarize this good enough like every mm-hmm. once in a while kind of re-examining how you present yourself and what you're offering yeah yeah that's definitely a, a- a thing for sure. I think what's hard is like in the moment when you're applying to a job and they're asking for a resume, like you can only have the experiences and the skill set listed like up until that very second that you're submitting that resume. But I think like with time, 
and like, you know, after time passes in a position or, you know, in between like your freshman to your sophomore to junior to senior year, like things change and like, there's going to be modifications here and there. I think when you're able to kind of step back and like look back at experiences that are a bit further away, like me as a senior, you know, editing my resume and think looking at those like freshman year, sophomore year opportunities, I think you kind of see also like thinking about where you want to be going or what company that this resume is going to be placed in front of, like what's the most valuable thing that I have here? What's kind of irrelevant? And that's also an interesting point. Like it's why people have multiple versions of their resume for like different types of companies. And I, I definitely had that like, you know, when I was applying to TV entertainment versus advertising agency. Um, or like book publishing. Um, so, you know, I, I think the personal audit is definitely something healthy to do just because, you know, the more time and space that you have between different experiences, you kind of realize what's actually the most important versus, you know, what's the fluff that's kind of there. And that's even what I've done with my LinkedIn, like taking off some experiences from high school where it's like, okay, is that, does that really matter? Like, is that really gonna like, lend itself to anything mm -hmm. um but yeah no I just think I think what is something to think about as well is that LinkedIn and your resume tell a story obviously like there's more storytelling to be done in an interview and like in front of someone when they're asking like why do you want this job like why do you like this company like you know it it does like pull at things that speak to your personality mm -hmm. and those experiences are included in that um but I think it's interesting, you know, from someone in our position looking at people who obviously are full-fledged adults as we're like just starting adulthood. Like when I look at someone's res resume or LinkedIn, for example, more so LinkedIn um, in like my field and you kind of see like where they jumped around. Like I think that kind of speaks to this like story or like a trajectory that I could maybe expect to have, or like, you know, it sparked some ideas for me just because, you know, we're not like, we're not like our parents' generation. It's not, you don't, you don't get a job and then work there for 30 straight years. Some people do, but I feel like this generation more so has become a lot of flip flopping places, trying new things. Like we don't want to get bored. Like there, there are always more opportunities, new opportunities. That's why people are constantly changing jobs and careers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like the personal audit is both like assessing like, okay, what's actually important to display about myself. Mm -hmm. um, but also like, what are the key things that people are displaying about them? Cause like, I've seen the most successful people on LinkedIn have like the least amount of content on their page, but it still speaks volumes because their title is executive director at blank. And maybe there's no detail there or explanation, but like now I want to reach out to them and be like, Hey, we'd love to pick your brain. What was that experience like? You know? So I, do, I would give LinkedIn that credit where like the networking, if you take it upon yourself to do it, like it can be really, it can be really enriching and that like you can actually glean insight from people with great experience. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely hard, like as you're, you know, as you're trying to figure out your life and keep your, your LinkedIn and resume up to date, you're like trying to do everything and anything that you can. Um, yeah, that's kind of the personal audit in my perspective. I've, one thing I've found about resumes, it's kind of always been hard for me and like my, um, 
the last year at college, you had to take a class. It was basically a capstone. Um, we got quizzed on spelling and grammar. You had to like pass those tests, but also you had to submit like a portfolio of your best work and your resume. And it got critiqued by one of our professors who like knows a good resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I fully expected like, I have a good resume. It's pretty, it's not boring. That was something that was very much like, you cannot have a boring looking resume. It also can't look crazy. So like, if you're going to have color, stick to one color, like don't go nuts with it. Um, and I was like, I think this is going to be good. He gave it back to me covered in notes, just absolutely covered. And it made me feel kind of like, Oh wow. Like this isn't good. And I thought it was. And also the whole, it can only be one page kind of bothers me because I feel like as you accumulate more things that kind of gets harder. Mm -hmm. Like how do you fit? five things on one page and you also have like skills these are the organizations i'm a part of this is certificates that i have maybe you have a pop spot for like recommendations mm-hmm. um a little personal summary contact like that's a lot to fit on one page that has always bothered me i just want to say that um i feel like you know still people are not told and are not taught how to correctly do a resume and that should really be something that in high school they teach you how to do hopefully people's colleges do it um but maybe that's something you have to seek out for yourself really depends on what major thankfully our major we were taught those skills but i don't can't speak for other people mm-hmm. um you know i just think that those that should be something that people are taught more how to navigate it how to write it how to make it look good what to include what not to include mm-hmm. yeah and it's also so different per industry like I know like there was a point when I, you know, had a standard marketing type resume and was applying to more design jobs, design-esque graphic design jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, those resumes are very visual and there's a, it's kind of like infographic style. So mm-hmm. I think it's really hard. Like there is a serious learning curve when it comes to like applying to a job because it's like, okay, yeah, it is one page. Like what's the most important relevant information here? Like what, what could I say in these whatever words that like fill in this one page that speak to the job description and like are gonna, you know, cause the person that maybe looks at this resume for 30 seconds to be like, yes, you know, like that's another thing. Like there are some people who have a stack of resumes and they might just look at you and you know, if it is more than one page, they're like, no, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with like colleges where like they would sort your grades by your SAT, like the yes, maybe a no pile of like, like just insanity. Um, But yeah, no, I think that's kind of where the personal audit comes in where it's like, okay, how can I stand out, be succinct, like to the point, but also, you know, when you're, for example, giving a cover letter, not just repeating your resume or like actually speaking to like why you want a job or like why you actually like this company, not copy and paste for every single one. Um, But it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I think there are times when just thinking about like the notes that I have, you've heard the personal audit, like I wrote volunteer work freelance and stuff. Like I think, I think you have to also what a lot of college students do is that they, they do things for, and it's the same thing that like what we did in high school for like college applications, like people will do things simply for their resume, like whether it's an extracurricular, a class, um, you know, an internship and like, that's fine and great and all, 
But I also think it's really important to like actually seek out enriching opportunities that maybe are different from like your experiences. They don't fit into this narrative so perfectly of that, like you're this marketing advertising person or you're journalism or you're like business. Like I, I think you're like, it's interesting for people to see variety. So like I do encourage people to take chances and like dabble while you can, like we're young. Like I said, we're not tied down to one job. Like if you are, I don't know, if you're in like the fashion world and you want to explore science, like why not? Like, like there's, there's no reason why. And we see this all the time. People have like serious um, career changes in like, in like their midlife. So I feel like that's kind of, it's funny because the resume is kind of like the antithesis of that. Cause like, I think a resume kind of curates like this one lane story, which is great. If like, you know what you want to do and you're kind of working your way up that ladder. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of works against you if like you're kind of all over the place and maybe have different interests that kind of flip flop. Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of what you both were saying and correct me if I'm wrong is like just being like a proactive person and really building your own success especially if that I don't want to say is given to you but you have the opportunity to make what you want out of your own life so I guess like this is something that I think about all the time especially when it comes to like personal audits is like how can I be more proactive knowing the experience I have to then make myself stand out amongst other people and I think this podcast is like a perfect example on like how you can stand out from someone or like running um, like your own Instagram because Brooke, you have one. I think it's great. And I think especially if you bring it up in interviews, personally, I would if I like had your page, like I feel like it speaks to something that you're passionate about that you may not necessarily like. It, it's not like academic or like it's on your resume or whatever but it's something that like you're passionate about and you're doing that's outside of your field and I think just like having like a passion project like the podcast or like a dedicated Instagram account or whatever it is maybe you're freelancing maybe you love volunteering or a YouTube page or YouTube <laughs> 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 gotta get back on that <laughs> um but yeah or anything like if it's outside of your field but like it can also somewhat be related or not it's just something that you really love to do I think that adds personality to to you and especially when you're applying to jobs, like, yes, people want to see, you know, the things that are on your resume and your academic achievement achievements, but also, like, people want to know that you're a real person, you, like, like things, like, you like to do things, and if you don't have anything to talk about, it's going to be like, mm, I don't know if this person is going to, like, fit in to our culture, I don't know if this person is going to be, like, fun to work with, because, like, there's nothing behind them. Right, like, they're almost robotic. Mm -hmm. that's why I'm like that's why you can't go into an interview and be like yes no yes no like you need to have you need to have a personality mm -hmm. you know they're probably going to ask you some personal questions be like what do you like to do you know like blah 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 like where are you from but and you can't just be like I'm from here also I know this program like you have to give them a little bit more mm -hmm. and for instance Little Red Warrior mm -hmm. um is a perfect example of that because mm -hmm. Brooke has that platform mm -hmm. um, is very personal and it's a resource for other people mm -hmm. and um, there's recipes on there 
there's products that she's trying and I think one that does actually connect to what you do because you can like you have experience with social media in that sense you've Mm -hmm. built a platform up with that you can show that to people and be like hey I do this I know how to you know get a message across in this way you know what gets people to like what posts do better than others Mm -hmm. so you got it both ways there yeah I mean I I definitely think for the jobs that I've applied to, I haven't necessarily brought up my account, my other account, aside from just like my personal one, um, as evidence of, you know, the kind of work that I do. I feel like it's more a portfolio of like different freelance stuff or like projects. Mm -hmm. But I do think like this pandemic has lent a lot to this idea that like you really should be do like this is what this whole podcast is about like you should always be hustling like you should always be doing something like you should never just like be like settling for for one thing and that doesn't mean that you don't like your job you can still love your job your day job and like have other ambitions that like you're working on on the side because like for all you know like that that passion and love for something could like turn into its own thing like I know my marketing professor just kind of started this passion project um, through the pandemic where, I mean, it started before the pandemic, but it really like took off with Zoom being like a platform, um, coming full force, but mm-hmm. he made this series where he would bring on like his colleagues who are all like really awesome, successful people. And what just became like a casual, like Zoom call that a lot of like my peers and, and, and his fellow colleagues would hop on has fully turned into a podcast, a YouTube, ch- like a, a show on YouTube, like you know what I mean? Like, it's really cool to see how things can blossom when you just kind of like take a leap of faith to do something that makes you happy or kind of like fills some sort of, I mean, I don't want to say avoid, but like it, it gives you happiness in a way that you're not getting in another aspect of your life. So I think it's, that's why it's really important just to like constantly be doing things. And if that means reading a book for you at night, like that's fantastic like there's no right or wrong way to do this like you don't have to like be an entrepreneur you don't have to make a business you don't have to like be creating things or be a content creator to to have like that hustle be the right thing to do Mm -hmm. um but I don't know I think it's just like making sure that you're constantly mentally stimulated and like you know like there's there's something that is fulfilling you in more ways than one no that's so true I this is definitely not on the topic of the episode but I think you hit on a point of like people not having hobbies anymore this is something that I talk about a lot and it really I guess like I didn't notice it for a while until like when I started to talk to people like all they would talk about is like how they're gonna do this project to make money or like they're gonna do this to make money and I'm like yes we love money we love the cash okay but like love that green girl but like sometimes you just want to do things just for fun just to do it like not everything is about a next career move or you know like bringing in ten thousand dollars a month like wow that would be amazing but sometimes you just want to do something for the fun of it and for your mental health and for your happiness and that is okay and not everything needs to be like i'm gonna do this so that i can do i can make this money yeah exactly like this podcast is an exact example of that because do you know how much money we have made from this podcast go tell them less than two dollars yeah does it matter no also we stopped putting ads in the front of the episodes but that doesn't matter 
because we enjoy having conversations with each other mm-hmm. and it was also getting us through the pandemic um and you know as you pointed out before i have a little skill with you know podcasts and audio production and whatnot so it's also combining something i already know mm-hmm. and it's something i bring up in interviews because i've been asked a number of times what i've been doing and i will say i have a podcast with one of my friends and then they're like oh what is it about so you know it's mm-hmm. something i enjoy doing it gets me through the week and also it shows that i am diverse in what i do so yeah i really think that like the lesson that everyone should take from this this podcast like okay what is what is your main point like what is the point of like the hustle like I think it's just like be an interesting person like have an enriching life and like yes of course like have ambitions like go after them and have goals but also like do things that make you fulfilled and like take risks and like I think a lot of people are afraid to start things you know for me I've been like oh yeah I'm gonna do this and do that but like actually like acting on it like you guys actually made a podcast you know and you're like no one said to you that like oh this is gonna be successful like you're not gonna know those things unless you start you know so I think just like I mean in the same way you Niela like just started painting like it's just like take risks and like don't really question it and just kind of like why not like literally why not we're in a pandemic or no pandemic like you know, what, what is there to lose? And if you lose, like you, you learn a lesson in the process. So. Yeah. And since you brought up the pandemic as a last point, I think we should discuss how the pandemic has affected the hustle of getting a job because we all graduated into a pandemic, mm-hmm. um, which is just still a crazy thing to say out loud. Because, like, if you'd asked me in January what I was planning to do after graduation, I probably was like, I'm going to travel. I'm going to, you know. Nope. Um, This has been an interesting period for all three of us because we've all had experiences with the applying, 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 not hearing back, applying, applying, applying. Maybe you get something and then it's like, wait, it's not even paid. What the hell? Um it might be a pyramid scheme. Um, like, like crazy. That's literally a shout out to Russia. Um, but like, we've all had strange experiences. We've all had experiences trying to get something. Um, so just wondering what you guys can speak to that. Should I, should I start? I'm you might as well. Because it's a lot we, I could go dive into, but I'm not going to do that. Pretty much, I was that person that was set on graduating with a job. I was I was going to walk across that stage with a job. And, you know, I think I was very humbled. I, I was humbled. And I was in the class of 2020 and put through a pandemic. So I think that the pandemic humbled me in a sense of, like, not pressuring myself to feel like I had to have a job on May 16th when we were supposed to graduate. And, you know all of that. And I think also the pandemic showed me that like, you don't always have to have a plan. You can kind of just like relax for a little bit, you know, cause we really just did four years of college. Like let's just slow down, you know, mm-hmm. take some time and then we can apply for some jobs. But also just like trying to kind of what we touched on before, 
find something else that or find a past passion project that I want to do in the meantime while I have nothing to do. But I definitely was involved in almost um, being a part of a pyramid scheme. Long story, pretty much like I applied for this job and was thought it was a marketing firm and turns out it was not. It was some crazy stuff. And well, they were a marketing firm, but it was like an MLM. Um, and they were just doing some weird things. I, I got deep into the Reddit threads, but that's another story. I also applied to just like internships that I was told was paid and then weren't paid, but like they were asking me to do stuff that was like full blown. I deserve a salary for the amount of work that you're going to ask me to do. So I was just like, yeah, no. So it was a lot of no's, a lot of nonsense until I landed my job in October. But I honestly was grateful because I feel like the experiences taught me a lot. It taught me like what I couldn't deal with when it comes to like the interview process and just like understanding what's professional and what's not when you're trying to get a job and you're going through the job process, as well as just like improving my interview skills and taking a break before I started a job because working nine to six is real. It's tiring, okay? it's not a little joke you know you think your parents come over they're like oh I'm exhausted can you make dinner you're like no mom can you just make it I already know when I have kids I'm be like bro you better get in the kitchen because I'm a girl is tired okay (laughs) but I'm done (laughs) yeah no I definitely agree with all that I was gonna say something that I feel like the pandemic has personally taught me is resilience and like really not taking no for an answer, not being, you know, not actually like being when a company declines me, like being like, actually like, no, like you should take me. Not, not that, but like not letting a no or a setback like stifle me or push me from still like going forward every single day. Like Mm -hmm. I was still putting out like application after application after application. Like I was emailing companies, Um, like I was going on agency websites that didn't have any job listings on LinkedIn and didn't have any job listings on their website, but like, like, fuck it. Like, let's just email their, their HR team and, and show my interest. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, for a majority of those emails, I didn't even get a response back, which is, which is, you know what, like, it's fine, but like, I tried, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like it really, like the pandemic really spoke to just like, pushing forward constantly and like not not like bogging yourself down because look like eventually this stuff is going to lighten up and I and like yes it has been really hard at times like when there really aren't haven't been things that are available or like there were people who would tell me like yeah we're on a hiring freeze or like we're not hiring like this isn't really happening but I think it's kind of just like okay how can I use my time efficiently how can I like put like a a a penny in the jar and say that like I did something to contribute towards that goal today. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like also be mentally sane and like push ahead. And I was going to say, like, I think in all of that, like things kind of figure itself out. Like, like people do eventually get back to you or like the most unexpected connections can like lead to, you know, an opportunity or just even taking a chance on something, maybe it is unpaid, or maybe it's something that like, you didn't think that you would be interested in pursuing in the first place, but you know, like it's a job, so I'm going to take it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to question what I have in front of me because I'm grateful to even have an opportunity. Like, I think it's just like kind of saying like, 
the, the same question that I, I said earlier, the same phrase, like, why not? Like, it's just, like, I think it's worthwhile to just kind of like take what you can get. Obviously you should have a standard for yourself and like know where you want to work or like, like have a goal in mind. But I think it's like the pandemic has really taught, I mean, not that I, I, I learned this just from the pandemic, but I think it really speaks to like learning how to thrive on being scrappy, like mm -hmm. totally being scrappy, like using what you have and just kind of like pushing forward, you know, like, because not like nothing is handed to you. And I think also like with the pandemic, like you realize like when obstacles are in the way, like things really aren't handed to you. Like you have to go out and look for them and get them and fight for them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've learned. That's all, all great stuff. Can I add one more thing? I'm so yeah. sorry. I just thought of it. Um, this is something that I like literally said to Niela, I think like probably days before I got a job, I was like, I'm telling everybody I need a job. And like, that's literally, I think my best advice besides like being extremely proactive and like Brooke said, like scrappy, like you really just need to try everything you can and see what sticks. But literally, especially right now, because, you know, LinkedIn has jobs, they may have jobs on the website today and the career pages on your favorite companies may have jobs today, but we don't know what, how this pandemic is going to evolve again. And there could be a time where we're doing like a second round of layoffs at these companies. And just like, you need to tell everybody that you're looking for a job. I mean, like your parents, friends, friends, your aunts, clients, dog, I don't know, like I'm being funny right now, but I'm being like genuinely serious. Like you really, you got to tell everyone because you never know who knows who that just says, hey, have her send you her resume. And next thing you know, you have a freaking job. Well, that's literally your story, Russia, because that's, you know, yes. somebody was like, hey, you still looking? You were like, yes. And then boom, a week later, literally Ooh. a girl that i worked out with in high school we went to workout classes together we still talk we have like a big group chat with all of our workout friends i was you know i just wrote in the group chat like hey guys you know i just graduated looking for a job she connected me with her co-worker's wife she worked at the agency she works at the agency i'm at now and i had met with her in june and we had a really nice conversation but the agency wasn't hiring and literally I don't even know how many months later, three or four months later, I had a job because she remembered me and she was like, hey, you think that you will be great for this position? So yeah, I gotta just tell everyone. Yeah, I would also say like, I would say that jobs, especially during a pandemic, I mean, life in general during a pandemic is unpredictable, mm -hmm. but I think like you never know where something can lead. So once again, like, why not just try and like mm -hmm. put feelers out and you know see where it leads because like you never know and like for all you know like something that you think you have in the bag you don't or something that like you thought you didn't have in the bag like comes back and you're like okay like I, I there's no way to I mean this is life in general pandemic or no pandemic like job things and life things are unpredictable that's just the nature of life mm -hmm. um but I think it's also like what this pandemic is kind of teaching all of us to do is like embrace the fact that there's so much uncertainty and like we can't know everything. So you just really have to go like day by day and like, like have some goals for the day, like do what you can and like, don't drive yourself insane. Like, cause you can only do and control so much. 
um, you know, other things are just going to kind of fall in place. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We upload new episodes every Friday so you can start your weekend right. Russia, where can people listen to our podcast? They can listen on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else they listen to podcasts. All links can be found at our Instagram page at canibehonest underscore pod. See you next Friday. Bye.